We are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, Kevin. Hockey's back. Kevin Durso, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Oh, like I just said, hockey's back. That's it. Like That I'm, is it. I could be doing better, certainly, and we'll get into Friday's game in just a couple of seconds here, but... You know, hockey's back, and that gets me from whatever level I'm at immediately thirty to forty percent higher instantly. So, sure, sure, absolutely. Just the mood is up in in the the Kyle household this week because it's hockey season again. You mean it's different than the preseason and watching games that you go, oh, yeah. this doesn't matter. So, yep, because you, know. you don't see Sean Couturier try the pass he tried in a preseason game. Yeah, probably not. That's a good point. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to just jump right to the end of the game yet. Well, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably saw the game Friday night, <laughs> and you probably jumped out of your seat when Claude Giroux called for that pass and buried it. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> I'm not allowed to. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How how was that from the box? Like, how was it watching the Wells Fargo Center blow up underneath you? Yeah, that was a sight for sore eyes. Nice, nice to be back. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, here's the thing: if we're if we're going straight to that part of the game, anyway, I, I guess I mean I don't know. I I I don't want to say I was surprised even it was at that stage of the game. It was one of the most. I mean, to be fair, leading up to, it was probably one of the most boring third periods I've ever watched for 18 minutes. It wasn't a fun third period. I mean, it, it, that was, it was classic. I don't even want to say classic in the sense like, like Vancouver didn't even do anything special to just wind down all that time. It, it was, was classic just, third period hockey when you're up two goals. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to say that because they actually probably pushed the play better. So it wasn't even like they just sat back. It was kind of, I mean, it it was, you can pick whatever phrasing of the word that you want to use, like in terms of like, like I was talking to Broads about it and you know, Broads called it blah. I could have said, it, you know, this is just a meh third period, like whatever, like pick your variation of boring. And it was that like, boring. It was just nothing was going. I mean, there was not even, I don't know if I, how far back I'd have to go. No, I can go back far enough because I didn't really tweet much yesterday. So to go from Friday night, I mean, I'm pretty sure I didn't. I tweeted that they killed off a penalty at the start of the third period, which, okay, that makes sense. And then I don't think, I, like, the, that tweet was at 9.11 p.m., and the next time I tweeted was, like, 20 minutes later Oof. In, in real time. Right. And basically, the, the next thing I even, the next thing I said was because was that they weren't getting anything to the inside at all. It was like there's no they had a little bit of momentum late in the second period, gave up another goal. And now I'm not seeing anything go to the inside. Yep. And that doesn't basically at that given point in time, what I was trying to do was basically fess up to the fact that I thought this is game over. You're looking at a 4-2 final. They're not even generating anything. And yep. then the next 20 seconds later, I want to say, not was not when everything happened. The next 20 seconds, they actually get a good scoring chance. Drew deflects a shot from the blue line that was the best save that Thatcher Demko made at that point in the period. It was a nice little so, stop. So I go, well, that was something. The next, the, finally, the next thing I'm finally able to say, because again, I think from that point, 
that was like two minutes after the nothing's getting the inside tweet. I went another 10 minutes before I got to hear, okay, they're going on a power play with 224 left. It's about what a all bad I call. Here. You think? I, okay. I call in what sense? Like that it, that it should have been a high sticking penalty is what you're saying? or I think the ref threw his arm up thinking he was calling a high stick. And then when he realized there was no high stick, they found the slash. Because he already had his arm up and OEL was already on his way to the box. It was still a two-hander, two-hander to the face, though. Oh, no. It, it was supremely stupid. It was a reckless swing by Oliver ekman Larson, And it, so quite frankly, regard, he knows better. Right. So in that regard, it is still a penalty. Whether but you if, want to call it slashing or high sticking. Doesn't but if I'm a Canucks fan, I think I'm a little upset about that one. I don't know. I don't see. I didn't see anything wrong. Not when I saw it in the replay. I didn't even see the penalty as it happened. And they blew play dead while the Flyers had the puck. So that was Yeah, it was weird. But... When we saw it on replay, we kind of everybody seemed to understand what just happened. So I don't see anything wrong with the call. That's like, fair. It was look at what this guy just did, and yes, it opens the door, no question about it. I mean, it took them seven seconds to score with at six on four, and yep. that's and that's when you start thinking. You go, of all right, because we've it, seen it. Well, we've seen it, but at the same time, it, they could have had a power play with two twenty four left, six on four, two minutes worth of time to play like that. And taking 90 seconds to get that goal. And now you have 50 seconds left to try to tie it by getting your goalie back off the ice and then seeing what you can do. And at that point in time, you go, well, it feels like it's too late. The fact that they actually scored seven seconds into the power play made you start thinking because you go, you got well, time. Now you're back to the one goal situation where if you pull your goalie, you have the time. Now it's a it's much two- more standard comeback right. attempt. Right. It's There's 217 to go and it's a one goal game. This is a normal comeback time. Right. Like. Right, you run this drill in practice all week, you know. You, well, you try to. I get well, you. Right. You do and you don't because you don't want to be in that situation. But you have to prepare for it. And right. then, sure enough, it happened again. I mean, it happened with. It was there was one twelve to go when the goal was scored, but they iced the puck with one thirty two left. Yeah, that was a big and, deal. And the icing was also a little. You know, I've seen the some icing. fans upset about that icing call as well. I don't know about that. I mean, it's a shot. You're taking a shot at the open net, and you missed it wide by well, I think, much. But. I think the argument is that um, – I forget who it was, but I think somebody was arguing that they won the race. That they, the, okay, the, oh, the Canuck oh, okay. won the race to actually no, clear no, no, the no. icing. Nope, it's not that. I'll tell you what it is. They okay. blew that icing so quick. I mean, I don't even know if they reached the hash mark yet. Oh, okay. So the player's so, arguing he didn't have so, enough time to win the race? Probably because of the fact that what happened was is that they called the icing based on look where he is ne- not where he is now, but I, I I assume what they did is they looked at the hey look it's reckless it's a reckless shot on the empty net, and they just went ahead and ruled it. But yes, we might as well just call it right. But the, yes, they were going to lose that race if it went any further than it did. But they blew it dead at the earliest possible time. Okay. And. Now, now, that, now that you brought it up like that, I'm going, what could have possibly, like, it was a legit icing call. Like, right. from, oh, yeah. from where it was played in, I'm going, it's not, it didn't deflect, it went wide, it's an empty net shot from yeah, it's, their own blue the line. It, then if it's about the race, then I do recall that, yes, it, they blew that play really early. Right. Well, and, and the Flyers made them pay. Well, they did, and like then look, if that's the case, if you're going to sit there and say there's an argument to be had that they just win that race anyway, then poetic justice later that they won the game in a shootout anyway. Like, that is fair. 
fine. Whatever you want to say. Because it wasn't, let's put this way, it wasn't a good enough game from the Flyers that they deserved the win. You you run away with this point. Oh, yeah. You take it and run. Because this, this is important early in the year. It, it, there's a big difference between pretty listless Final 40 and you don't get anything for it against a team that you thought you might be able to compete with and fighting back early enough that you go, okay, at least it's worth one. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that means that like that's a good sign based on what I've seen in the rest of the division so far. It's not, but it's still something. You've got to have something to build on at least. And it's kind of like what I, I think it's kind of like what I said last week because it was don't expect this October to be lights out. Just right. don't expect that. Like they'll go and play. Like it was really funny. I saw a comment somewhere. I don't remember where, but anywhere that I looked at where I start to see what people say about this stuff and how, and believe me, all the overreaction already. But somebody turned around. I, I saw a comment somewhere that was something about they handed them an, a really easy schedule at home to start for the first four games so that they should have won that game. Okay, listen, if you think they should have beat Vancouver, I don't doubt you. Vancouver didn't make the playoffs last year either. They don't exactly have a team on paper that screams playoffs right now. I get I'll, it. I'll say it. I think they should have beat Vancouver. No, but I, the thing that I was going to argue with is I'm going – I'm sorry. So you're trying to tell me that Boston's a team that should be easy to beat, that Florida's a team that should be easy. Florida's in the Stanley Cup conversation. Florida, I've seen Florida mentioned by several several right. renowned people in the industry as their pick to win the Atlantic this year. Right. And in case you forgot, that division has the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning in it. Right. Now, but that's what I'm saying. Like I'm I'm sitting here going you're telling me that you think that's an easy game? It's like, not. No. Like, it's to, not. Be, to be honest, I believe the way that I reviewed it anyway was the first two are going to be more than likely winnable games. You, If you play the best game you can, you can win. Boston's kind of a wild card because Boston <sighs> – look, Boston beat Dallas last night in their first game of the season. That's great. I don't know what, Dallas, what to expect from Dallas either. Like, I don't know how Boston's going to look against – the Floridas and Tampas and w when you've lost Tuka Rask and David Krejci and even though you tried to do your part to replace those guys and you've done and you might literally replace Tuka Rask later this season but we'll see well and that's why that's what I was getting at is you've right. done a pretty good job I'm not trying to sit here and say your goaltending situations in shambles because of it it's not Jeremy Swayman's a solid option at this point very so very much yeah. so and so is Olmark for that matter like that's true you got to go off of that, and they've got enough depth that as long as it delivers, like the the place where they'll be hurting when Krejci's not here is if Jake DeBrusque goes as cold as he has in certain times of seasons past, and you go for 10, 15 games, what is this guy? Who is this guy? Like, what? where is he? And what's, you know, what's he doing? So, um... Uh, yeah. Like, it's that kind of conversation. Yeah, for sure. And Boston is one of those teams. We talk about Pittsburgh and how as long as they have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, you never bet against them. Boston's kind of the same. As long as they have Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, exactly. can you bet against the team? And, like, we saw it in their first game. Brad Marchand had two goals. <laughs> I don't, And I don't know. See, here's the funny part. I don't even know how... Um, how you can say those two names specifically 
and not consider that you probably left out like it, you could argue you left out the best player, the best player of the bunch. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like, but I, to be fair, I also think people would do something similar when talking about the Flyers and mention like Giroux and Voracek and leave out Couturier, even though he's the best player of the bunch. Yeah, I. So it's, it's just an interesting thing how that sometimes happens where the old names stick around. <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, so this is really funny. It was, this has never happened before when we've done this show, but I'm going to do this right now because it just came through. So I've got breaking news. Ooh, breaking be, news. Perfect. That should, be, that should be good news because Nick Sealer was just sent down to the minor leagues, which should open the door for Rasmus Ristolainen to play on Monday night. Well, that is a fantastic segue because I don't know if you noticed, but I actually just added this tab <laughs> because I wanted to mention it because it was the only real injury story going into the season opener was that we heard kind of on the late side that Rasmus first line was going to miss the game, you know, and that's kind of what ended up in, in Nick Sealer coming up, but it's good to hear. This certainly seems like a good thing. And I was, I was going to bring it up and ask you, Hey Kevin, is there anything to be worried about long-term here? And you, you scooped me. I mean, I, I wasn't concerned about it long-term <laughs> when Elaine Vigneault said it's not a, you know, long-term thing but yeah but you know how day-to-day sometimes turns into nagging which sometimes turns into taking some maintenance days which sometimes turns into he's out for two weeks you know these things can tend to linger and i I didn't know is this something you think that he's shaken off and is going to be completely done with i mean look it's never a good thing if a guy misses the first game of the season because of this type of stuff like there was no real reason to panic when Ryan Ellis didn't practice either. And, and I get it. Like, you're starting to build up that panic because it went from they all played Friday the previous week. And then Saturday, I'm trying to remember which day, which day, what the days looked like. Because I believe Saturday was an, I don't think, I don't know, Saturday or Sunday was an off day. One of the two. So I think they practiced Saturday and then Sunday was an off day as they kind of decided on the team pretty much. And then... Monday, trying to remember which one again, because there was another one. Wednesday was an off day as well. So there were two off days thrown in there somewhere. One was over the weekend in some capacity. One was middle of the week. Let's just go with that. And they missed the day after. They call it maintenance. You go, all right. They missed the next one after that. Okay, now that's a little concerning. Starting to get a little okay. Then they come back again. And Ristolainen's skating with the rehab group. Ellis is just not there. So now, to be honest, if you would have asked me on Tuesday, who... Who's missing the game? Right. Who plays or who doesn't? It's going to be Ristolainen plays and Ellis misses. Because we haven't even seen any sign of Ellis. It's just, you know, at least Ristolainen's skating somewhere. And then Thursday comes and Ristolainen does his little morning skate thing, but he's he's not there. And to give you an idea of how close that was, and I assume they just, again, just for the sake of argument, kept him out one more night, even though it was the home opener, season opener, the whole deal, is because of the fact that he was um, he was skating among the morning skate group, even though he wasn't playing, okay, which kind of so gave you an idea close. that like, yeah, like that if, if the game would have been on Saturday instead of Friday, he might have played. Okay. But it, but it wasn't, and he, he, they had already said from the previous day, he's like we, it was, it was a, I don't say different, but it was like there was something about the fact that they actually told everybody on Thursday he's not going to play. 
Right. And I mean, it's not just, to be fair, I mean, we'll leave this tab up. We don't need to go into all of it. But I guess what we need to also t- touch on are the two new players that have not made an appearance yet because they're both going through their own sort of thing to get here, kind of, one way or another. So so they make two, I mean, right before the rosters came out, because we were all kind of ready for it. I think one of them happened on Sunday, didn't it? Or Monday. There's it a waiver Monday. claim on Monday and a it waiver claim on Wednesday. So goes to show what kind of fun we had on those two days, you know. Just when you thought that there was nobody else who could make this Always team. getting scooped. <laughs> well, there was. there's not really much of a way to get scooped on the waiver well, wire. I mean, it comes out when it does. But That's fair. And you know what? I don't feel like it was as much of the usual Monday news drop as it was, though, because on last week's show I said, oh, there's a couple names on waivers on Sunday that I wonder if at 2 o'clock on Sunday they might claim. They didn't then, but they did a day later, so they right. were looking. So that's, you know. And they're also fairly minor moves, let's be honest. And, you know, when minor, Kevin Hayes comes back, you know. They're, they're minor, but they're not because it's they're still going to factor into your NHL roster. That's so, true. so they claim they claim Patrick Brown from Vegas. They claim Zach McEwen from Vancouver. The Johnny Gaudreau tampering committee adds another member. Oh goodness! Boston College, baby. <laughs> no less, no less, the former captain of Boston College. Oh, come to Philly, Johnny. Come on. I have to look up. I, I'm looking up McEwen for a second because. Um, I know that I already looked at this one up. I know that Patrick Brown is making pretty much league minimum. It's like $750,000, but he actually had just re-upped in Vegas for two years this offseason. Okay. So he's, so he's not exactly for a waiver claim. That's not exactly a rental. That's There's a, a little bit of a commit there. Yeah, Yeah, there is a little bit. I'm checking to see what McEwen's situation is. Again, he, he's a, it's a low contract, so it's not anything crazy. It's $700,000, but they don't have room for both. So let me see. Now his says two year as well. I'm just trying to see what year of the two it is. And his cap, okay, his cap hit actually is eight hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. I'm sorry. So that that seven hundred must have been from like the previous contract. Okay. Okay, so he's in the last year of a two-year deal. So that's the difference. That so he's so he has one year to go, and and he's exactly. It's really funny if you put him on a line. With, with depending on who else is on the line, I guess. But if you put McEwen on a line with Nate Thompson and, I don't know, I guess insert player here because it could be Obey Cubell. I was going to say it's probably Obey Cubell, right? Yeah, but it could be him. It could be Brown. It could be like you. It could be insert player here. Scott Lawton, because why not? Throw Scott Lawton everywhere. Lawton, I see, at least Lawton, I see, is a top nine winger. Like, he's not really much of a top line center anymore, but I can see him That's playing tough. that third line wing. That is about as fourth line as it gets for this team since, like, the Zach Ronaldo days. It's pretty up there. Like, like I remember when, was, when Jody Shelley was on the team. Right, like, like, it, like makes you think, it makes you think, when was the last time they had a guy whose biggest, like, the, the biggest attribute to his game that people most knew about was how his many physicality. fights he got into and, yeah. and his physicality? When was the last time they had a guy on their fourth line like that? It's I mean, been a it couple of years. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't when it was Chris Vandevelde and Pierre Edward Belmar running around for wasn't. four years or whatever it was. I said four on purpose, by the way. Right. <laughs> as if, as if we couldn't figure out which four years I'm trying to refer yeah. to possibly by that. But. The guy who's 
coming, coming, in on Monday. coming into town on Monday. But let's get back. But anyway, let's get back to now that we have. Oh, by the way, I didn't actually mention why both of them are not playing. So oh, yeah. Brown, yeah, yeah. Brown ended up on COVID protocol, which I don't know what the deal with that completely is. I mean, I feel like he'd be off by now if it was just something as simple as, well, it's a new town, so you're stuck. Right. I think he actually has it then. Let's oh, no. That's like, unfortunate I, for him. Which is really weird because of the fact that he got picked up on Monday, did his media avail on Wednesday, I think. Like, right after, like, literally the same hour that the claim of McEwen came out. Okay. And then the next day, and everything was, yeah, he'll practice tomorrow. And then he wasn't there to practice the next day. And And then they go, he's on COVID protocol now. And so I don't know when they're going to be able to use him. And then McEwen is in the process of, because just, a, like, just a quick, you know, example of how crazy the last year has been for everybody vancouver hadn't played a game in the united states until friday in 20 months wow so players from canada if you get picked up to legitimately start to play in the u.s and you weren't picked up on say july 28th when free agency opened right a little bit tougher for you to kind of get over the border for good for right now so he was had that space he's on he's not even on the roster yet because okay. he's technically non-roster while waiting for the visa to go through. And we will see if that clears up as soon as today. Like, it could clear up in time for today's practice and in time for Monday's game. Right. And I believe, by the way, that the border is opening or is open. So that... It is, but I, think, it is but I think for more of that longer-term kind of thing like that, like, he's coming over here and he's going to have to live here. And spend the rest of the year here most more than likely but i can't um, imagine the process is going to be harder no no we'll i do up a little bit for and him. that's why i said like we'll see he might be on the ice by the way did you catch what number he's gonna wear and i did not okay he is wearing number 17 oh man i don't too know soon? how i feel about that it shouldn't it shouldn't be too soon but too soon yeah not while wayne's still in the league well, whatever. I'm not I, saying I'm not saying we hold it for good. I'm not saying for blah blah blah. I'm not certainly not no, saying retirement there, because I've gone on my tirades about Jersey retirement in, on this show. No, but there's some people who sound like that's it's what, a respect exactly thing. What, there, I think there, it's a respect thing. There's people who sound like that's exactly what they want, though. Listen, my heart wants it. Don't get me wrong, my heart wants it. But I also know how I feel about Jersey retirement. I, you know, as much as I love Wayne Simmons. He's not there for me. You know what I don't understand, truthfully? So unless he picked that number because it, it is open and it is a not like it's different because like I don't know what I don't know if he ever picked the number he had in Vancouver. Let's just Okay. He, he wasn't like if you got claimed off waivers the day before or two days before the new team's season begins, or on the same day that your team is supposed to be playing in their season opener. You didn't make the team, it means. Right. You know, so it's not like you were they were going to go to you and say... What number do you want? <laughs> what number do you want? You made the team out of camp. Right. He was wearing 71, which the only reason that number is not available is because Max Willman wore it. But I would think that you could bump Max Willman to give him the number if that's the number he wants. Right. So, speaking, of, speaking of guys who didn't get to pick their number, let's talk about Max Willman. <laughs> What about him? I mean, he was he was fine. He played yeah, yeah. well. 
Now, he played about as well as you could expect for a guy who is not going to see a lot of ice in the third period because you're trailing. And the only thing that he did that was wrong was he took a needless cross-checking penalty at the end of the second period. That's it. Otherwise, sure. act otherwise, actually, I thought that they had some good... He gives that fourth line, if he plays on it, he gives that fourth line a little bit more speed. A little than, bit of jump. Than anybody else would. I mean, Aubrey Kubel in the beginning, too, was really running around and hitting people in the beginning. I mean, he had two hits on, like, his first shift. And you're going, right. that's noticeable. I mean, that's why they got off to such a good start, because... He has a shift. They're hitting people. You can see it. So Aubrey Kubel's running around. He's hitting people. It's it's working out pretty well. And the very next shift, they go right back because they've rolled through every line now. They go right back to the first line. And Travis Konechny's going into a corner, wins a battle, gets clipped, and they call a penalty. They call a tripping penalty. And you're going, look at what happened. That's two and a half minutes into the game, basically, or maybe a little bit more than that. But you're going, whoa, three minutes, four minutes in maybe, roughly. You're giving the – as these forwards go through with this process – Every line just had a really strong shift to open the game. Every single one, top to bottom. And it continued because at, at, toward the end of that power play, you didn't score on the power play, but you scored, scored right You after. scored right after. Your power play unit scored right after the power play ended, exactly. before the fifth man got back into play. Exactly. And not only that, but it's it's a good setup. I mean, it, you can't tell me that you're not excited. Oh, the, I'm so excited. Well, no. For the possibility that as you watch, you go, look who's setting these up. Ryan Ellis is involved. Keith Andel's involved. Cam Atkinson gets involved. It's like, yeah. okay. Like, these, every, they, they had three new, I mean, and Ristolainen didn't even play, so you can't even factor him in. And then you go down the list of other people who were in the lineup that were new, and you go, well, Nick Sealer, who was playing in place of Ristolainen, wasn't expected to put up points no, he actually not. for the most part he held his own just fine he wasn't a liability defensively in that game you know what i'm excited to see okay we saw a little bit of it in this game talking yes. about this first goal here power play trigger man joel farabee he did pick up right where he left off i mean i wanted to say it last week on our show yeah. on our, our little predictions for 2021 22 I'm going to hit you with a hot one here real quick. Okay. Joel scores 30. That's fair. I mean, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure I went on another show this week with a couple friends of ours. I'll sure. Give him a quick, I'll get... Yeah, go for it. I was, was going to give him a quick shout. It was, it's the Fired Up podcast. And I was asked who's going to lead the team in goals. And I said Joel Farabee, even though, listen, there was, a, there was an argument to be made for a couple other guys on this team. I will say that. I mean, you, there, there is a part that you because there's a part of me that goes you don't even think of like you don't think of Cam Atkinson a little bit because of the fact that he's a new guy <laughs> like it's weird to say it that way but like we're so stuck in the last five years of the same group of leading scorers that you don't even think about the new guy who's known for shooting who's very first. good right you no know, who's known for shooting first you know and which is what makes his goal really impressive to me because that's the goal scorer in him. I'm going to go yep. to the slot. You find me. And and when you find me, I'll just be in the right spot to get it on the net quick. That's all I'm going to do. Somebody said in the group chat, I think it might have been you, that was a Cam Atkinson goal. No, I don't. Uh, that wasn't me. It wasn't meant, you. Okay. Because I was, I, to be honest, I didn't really say a whole lot in that, to be honest. Okay. But, but yeah, it, that's a Cam Atkinson style Cam Atkinson goal scored by Cam Atkinson. It was. And I didn't even realize, uh, and again, uh, depth procession for perception for me from upstairs is very different from watching it on any other angle 
I didn't even realize the thing never even came off the ice. Okay. He he basically flubs it in a way. Either yep. flubs it or gets or clips the stick of the defender that's right there, and the thing never got off the ice. It just but it came off of his stick and still came off of his stick whether it hit another stick or hit his stick hit the other stick to slow the momentum up and it didn't do what he wanted it to per se. Like it's a shot that if you give it to him and it's clean, he probably roofs the thing. To right. be honest, I mean, that's how good of a goal scorer he can be. But it actually just shoots in to the far side away from where Demko is playing all, it, along the ice. But, but just it gets happened, over the line. But it happens so quickly, yep. and it still came off of his stick with such speed that you have no reaction time. You're, and, and that's actually a credit to Faraby for, for the centering pass because the that pass was, was it's nice. A, it's a quick one-touch, get-it-out-in-front centering pass that – it's really more of a bank shot off of Atkinson's stick more than kind, anything. Kind of because of the fact that Demko doesn't even have time. I, I love when I get to do – I mean, I'm not going to go full TNT here and get up and demonstrate, but – Oh, I want a full John Madden telestrator. I, I wish I could. Give me the, cir- the circles and the highlighter. And the... No, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference something that I saw yesterday that – for another topic we're going to get into from this game that's worth noting later. Um, that, that I wish I had the stuff and wish that when they were doing this, they had a telestrator because it would have been perfect. Yeah, we're talking um, about angles a lot here. Yeah, but so if I'm giving you the goaltender's perspective here on that, by the way, it's it's rimmed around the, the, the boards from Yandel first. So you're trying to track, and if you're Demko, you're looking this direction like I am right now. I'm looking to my right. It's on the right side. And that quickly, it's behind the net. I thought Broussard touched it at first. He doesn't, actually, because he didn't get an assist on it. So I assume it means he didn't touch it. Right. But, but it goes through so quickly that it looks like a touch pass behind him. So now you got to account for where Farabee is. So Demko's got to go from tracking over here to tracking to this side that quickly. And in, and in that quick of a motion as it's over there, now it's out here. Yep. And, and his head's still on a swivel enough that you see his head line up with the puck as it goes about in front, but your body's moving this your way. Your body's doing so many different you're things shifting. trying to get to the right spot. Yep. Right, so you're shifting to the left side, and now you got to try to get back, and he just can't get the pad out far enough to make that safe. That was as good, and, and the thing was is that great play made at that time in the period because you're down 3-1, to one, great play at that time, and for the next four minutes, you carried the momentum for a little while. Like, you were really back into it and looking like you might get the tying goal before the end of that period. Well, so wait a minute, Kevin. The last thing we talked about was Joel Farabee's goal in the first period to put the Flyers up one nothing. How how are they down 3-1? How do we get here? Kind of, a, again, the snowball of disasters in the second period to an extent. I mean... We were talking about angles and depth perception at the Wells Fargo Center. Carter Hart had a lesson. Yeah, I mean... We might as well just go straight to this we, tab because we have to. When we well, talk about well, the second period of this game, there's only one storyline that we're talking about. Well, and this is where I wanted to come in with some stuff. Okay, I, I'm not going to sit here and, from my vantage point, without having a chance to really watch it and get the breakdown from somebody who knows the goaltending position really well. Right. I, I don't know if you happen to catch this or not, but so yesterday afternoon, and it was. Kind of, I don't want to say it was at a random time, but it was relatively random to be honest because it was, I don't know if it was near 24 hours after the game had started. Like it was coming up on that. Like it, it had been a while. And Jason Martinez did a breakdown of, of all the goals, not just the ones that Carter Hart allowed, but of all the goals in the game because that's, that's kind of, again, where I, where I got a little bit of the how Demko tracks the puck because yeah. – 
he's able look he plays goal he knows goalies really well he's gonna notice what a goalie's trying to do and even then i didn't think it was that bad like what demko tried to do on that goal by atkinson it was just so quick there's some, yeah there's nothing you can do there which by the way is something that people have like complained about a lot which you know wanting that quick puck mo- motion to get goals out of it because everybody else because moves, it gets goalies right? moving right what do we so, hear we hear the phrase it gets goalies moving and that's exactly so what happened to demko here so here's the thing with carter hart's four goals allowed in the second period and we can go through each one of them really quickly here as we kind of get through this game and then move forward to the rest of the week to come. A little bit of a preview, yeah. The first goal by Pod Colson is just a really good shot. And there's two things that make... Now, here's the thing. I understand if, if people want to look and go, he dropped too early. He's leaving the top of the net open anyway. Uh, the only thing that I will give that I saw that Mertidis had said that's a good point is specifically for somebody like Carter Hart, who's kind of got a book on him now about this area how to beat them right right? that if you are playing goal and you are back and your arms are back you're gonna be late up here right you want your hands in front of you that was a good point i really like hearing angles right like jason martinez makes a great point with that if your hands are in front you're already aggressive to the shot so now you're taking away the angle so much quicker as a result like it just happens that way I'm also not going to gripe over a goal scored because there was a breakdown in front of him, too, because no. Keith Yandel gets pulled to the middle, and then Tyler Myers sets a pick. Yep. And it all worked out. It was all legal. And it was a well-executed play by Vancouver. It's, it's, a guy, it's a big defenseman. It's Tyler Myers with, being Tyler Myers right, in the freaking a, slot. With a huge emphasis on the big part because Tyler yep. Myers is a big defenseman using that I think big. He's 6'8". Something like that, yeah. yeah and Tyler using everybody, but using every bit of that size to take Yandel out of the play, so he can't get over. And again, if if there's anything that you want to say that's disappointing about it, it's that at least the play is over that direction, and it wasn't like a one timer that you go, all right, you do have time to square up. So now you just want to see. You'd love to see him make a save. It also was a perfect shot. I'm not gonna like. At the end of the day, when you look at the next three goals that come and the speed at which the puck enters the net, that's the one. That's the one at the end of the day that you sit there and you go, "Tip your cap, good shot." It's a hockey on. goal, right there. Right, yeah. exactly. That's a sniper. A sniper because Vasily Petkovic is a very good forward, young a, player. Very good. And those guys are just going to score goals like that sometimes. Exactly. It happens. So, so let's go to number two. This is a power play goal, so like we might as well start in that area. Then, like, it should be like almost like, hey, comes as no surprise. The power play uh, for Vancouver, penalty, yeah, right. The penalty kill failed. Whoa, crazy! But this is not this is not your typical penalty kill fail either. Like, it's a little bit of everything. Like, it's not your typical goal against for a goalie. It's not your typical power play or penalty kill didn't come through with the other team on a power play. It's it's a it's a quick one time shot, or no? It wasn't one time, but it was out to an open Elias Pettersson, who gets the shot toward the net. It it goes wide, so you think the shot did not go wide. Right. The shot was blocked by Ivan Provorov, which therefore changes the angle. Like the this was the, again this was the point that Martinez made in his little live breakdown that he did on Twitter yesterday that helps to understand how because because to me I look at the goal in 
real time, real motion. Don't. There's no way I'm going to be able to tell that it was partially blocked. And you just say, and man, we need to, need to stop there. Not even that you need to stop. It's the end boards can be lively. I get it. The, then the angle is really weird. How do you not have a way to seal off the post from behind you? Unless you were just playing at a bad angle to begin with because it wasn't that far off. I mean, you were taking the shot from that side. Right. Like you should so, have been there already to, to seal like that. To an extent, like, and that's in and that's in real time motion. But when it de- but when it deflects off of your own player who partially blocks it and it angles it toward the boards perfectly when it was coming towards you the way you were playing again you're squared up you're ready to make a save on that because you're there and it, now now it's not only changed direction but you're already in save mode so again you're down you're in save mode. You're expecting you're a shot trying, on you. And now you're trying to scramble back and get over, and you can't do it fast enough. So now that that area behind you is going to be open, and it just happened to take a perfect bounce off of the boards to come right back toward the net, and that's how it ends up in the net. I, I'm not trying to sit here and tell, like, that's not, it's not a shaky goal by Carter Hart in the right. grand things. That's that one that of those is, hockey is a game of inches luck. goals. That is a bad luck goal. Right. That is hockey is a game of inches if it hits four inches further on the boards at two inches further of a degree, it completely hits the back of the net and doesn't go anywhere near Carter Hart. Like it, it has to bounce completely perfectly off the board. So it comes back right. and hits his skate and then bounces right back in the net. It's, it's, it's an absurd angle. What are you going to do? Like you can't certainly can't hold your goalie accountable for that. Right. So that's the second one. And I get it. There's going to be a lot of people that look at a goal like that and go, oh, you can't let that in. How does a goal like that happen? Yeah, I understand it. You'd never want to see that happen. You needed a penalty kill there. And then on top of it, by the it's way, unfortunate. That's that, now that's, so that's a goal scored off of a penalty to Travis Konechny to open early in the second period. It was early. And then after that, I'll take that penalty out of play for a minute. As much as you want to sit, like, as much as you can sit there and go, like, I'm not going to try to deny that they played the whole game without a, like, a penalty that was preventable in some way. Like, I'm sure they get called for something or other at some point, you know, like during a game. But there were two more penalties later that period that are very preventable because yep. the delay of game one Provorov is preventable. And then certainly while you're down a man, a too many men on the ice penalty is preventable. That's sloppy and. That is something that is forgivable in the preseason because that's just the cost of doing business in the preseason. But by the time the regular season comes, you need to get that worked out. That can't happen. Exactly. And that's that's really what leads to the third Vancouver goal. Yep. Because at the end of the day, I mean, there's no, there's no fault of Carter Hart on that goal. It's a backdoor play where the guy is left open, by the way. And he actually makes a save. But he makes a save in such a way that it's at the middle of his body. Like, it's in front of him again. He didn't get it off. Like, it's not the standard backdoor play where you're able to get it off the toe and then kick it to, like, a corner or kick it out or anything like that. It's off of the center of your body and in the crease again. So yep. now you're now you're a little scrambly in, 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 in goal because you're trying to make it like to recover and you really don't have room to recover. Like you're you're kinda down and out in that spot. And while they're scrambling away trying to jam it wherever it is, because I don't even know if Alex Chason knew it was not under Carter Hart. I think he right. thought it was under Carter Hart. And one of the one of the players who I thought did not have a very good game 
Travis Anheim tries to clear and just banks it right off of Chase on anyway, and it goes right through and in. Unfortunate, again. Right. So now you're talking another goal that it's not that it's preventable, but, well, it, look, it's partially preventable because it's a five-on-three at that moment. So it's a five-on-three, so you didn't have to be right. a five-on-three. So you should. that's one part of, the, of it that's preventable. And then, two, you're just looking for a way to clear it in some way. It would have been nice if it would have gone to the corner, maybe try to take away that pass in the first place. I mean, that backdoor pass was there. But again, it's five on three, and you're doing what you can. It is, but it, you don't want it to be in that sense. If they go right. backdoor by going, if they go backdoor going cross crease a little bit, I understand that almost a little bit more. Like this was from the circle toward the net. He's standing at the side. Somebody's got to be there. Like you can take away that guy a little bit, especially if you can see them eyeing him up. Like it wasn't like that wasn't he wasn't looking at him for a couple seconds before no, he made the play. That's fair. And then you get to the fourth one. The fourth one by far is the most preventable goal of the whole yes. sequence. Probably the softest. Because at the end of the day, there are several problems on that play. First of all, I don't know how Travis Sanheim and Keith Yandel end up on the ice together, but that really shouldn't happen. Yeah, no. Well, that happens when Nick Sealer's in your lineup. I guess, but I don't think it was done. I don't think that was done by design. I think that was done like midline change possibly and you're and you're just trying to i don't say mix it up you're just trying to get everybody off the ice as soon as possible right and so yandel doesn't you know isn't able to really hold his positioning because he gets beat along the boards pretty easily because he's Keith yandel but but you almost like okay that's not the worst part of the play because all that really does is allow Vancouver to maintain possession. At the end of that sequence anyway, the only play that Pedersen has is, I'm just going to throw it from an angle. And I don't know if you noticed this after this, but after this hap- after this little sequence happened that they get a goal out of it, they were shooting from all angles for the rest of the game. Yes. And they it were was, just firing. And it was close to working a couple times. Uh, it sure was. But, so, he just throws it from an angle. And right away, you see how it caught Carter Hart off guard. This It surprised him. He, he looks like he's got it, but at the same time, and, and I understand that there were, like, out there, some of, like, there was, I forget who said it post game, but somebody said they were surprised. I think maybe it was Cam Atkinson who said it. They were surprised they didn't get a whistle there. I understand that, but he didn't exactly. You're not getting a whistle there. He didn't exactly give away that it's like, it's, I've got it. I just don't know where, but I've got it. Like, he knew he didn't have it in the most secure place. So even if it's buried under his skate like it was, he doesn't know he's got it. And that's not good. So it's just sitting there. And then after that, I mean, if you're Travis Sanheim and you're just going to let JT Miller walk in to go ahead and try to play it when you know it's loose, too. You had to have an idea. You just got to be a better better awareness, better everything, and it was just a bad goal to to allow. And yeah. that's the one that I think really kills you. You can live with the first one. When you really look at the second one, you go, "That's just tough luck." Third one, don't take the penalties there because you, you're at this stage of the season, the way that your preseason went, you're not a good enough penalty kill team to be able to handle a five on three right away. And I no. think, see, that's that's one of the things about the early season two years ago. When Carter Hart gets a shutout against the New Jersey Devils in that first real home game in Philadelphia, but you have to kill off a five-on-three with two of your best in the pe- in the penalty box, and he has to make an absurd, spectacular save to keep the well, game scoreless. Well, yes, but outside of just him, 
the rest of the team from that point on has to kill it off with both of those guys in the box. Right. It made you start to think, wow, that's a situation where they probably allowed two last year. You're not wrong. This time, and, and granted, you gave up one. All right, you gave up one. It's, you know, do you want to see it happen? No. Is it easy for them to get a goal when you think about the space they had, 5 and 3 Sure, it is. Because you're not a good enough team right now, penalty killing-wise, to have just three guys on the ice while they've got five. And, you know, it, it just wasn't going to work out that way. Right. Like, And you don't even have Kevin, Kevin Hayes. Like, if Kevin Hayes is here, you have a shot. Right. Now, this is where I guess we need to actually, now we've gone through the four goals. The shootout, I'm not going to put anything into. The shootout, look at, not. look at the two guys who shot in the shootout for Vancouver and realize that they were the two best players on the ice that night. Right. So the, the tab we have on the screen, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, uh, asks if we, you, anyone here is uh, concerned about Carter Hart. Well, because we've I, seen I, some of this right uh, I, I, after the four goal second period. It's phrased this way because of the fact that everybody looked and went, oh, no, like, is he just not good? Right. Is he another in the long line of Philadelphia goaltending? I've already seen it bandied about, and I've, I've seen comparisons, and it, it's just... I know. Guys, guys, here's the thing. He's a child. He's like, oh, what, I'm 22 years old? 23. He had one bad period, played really well in the third and overtime. He did. He was a little shaky. Uh, yeah. But he made the stops and, you know, not a, look, not in better overtime. as the game went on. Definitely not in overtime. Right. In overtime, he was sharp. He was he, good. He got his confidence back in the third period. And by the time overtime rolled around, he, he looked back to being Carter Hart. It was the first game of the season, guys. Relax. There you, there you go. I was wait, that's what I was waiting for. Okay. So let me let me ask you, is it could it be something as simple? And, you know, maybe Jason Martinez is the person to ask here. Could it be something as simple as he was down the other end of the ice because it was the second period and the angles were a little funky because he hasn't been down there as much early in the season? Not or really. Okay. I just didn't I know. So. You know, I, I know every building has slightly different boards and I didn't know if there was any any sort of uh, dissymmetry there. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I don't think so at all. It's just... That that to be honest, that's making kind of making excuses for him in a way. I was just curious. I didn't. No, know I know. If there I, was no, any... no, no. I'm not. I'm not blaming you. It's a good. Right. It's a valid question. It's just I think if, if that's what you're gonna lean on, then that's just making. Excuses if he said for it, him. I'd be like, nah, it's a right. little corny. <laughs> I don't think it's no. I think it was just a lot of things went wrong in that period, and not just for him. The issue I have with the reaction is that it is one game. Like, if this happens again on Monday or whenever he plays throughout the course of the week, I assume he's going to go Monday. Monday. Yeah. I, I assume Monday. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't try to get him back in. I mean, you're, you've got bigger issues at that point if Elaine Vigneault is feeling like I need to get the other guy as much work. Do you think Martin Jones plays any of these four home games, or do you think Carter Hart plays all of them? Because I certainly I mean, think he'll get at least one in Western Canada, but I'm curious if you think he gets one of these he, four at home. He he has to. He has yeah. to get one in Western Canada because there's a back-to-back -to, -back to start it, so okay. he'll get one of them. But 
It's a good question because the the the, the key. If you're going to give him one, you probably give him Seattle. I could see it because I think you want Carter Hart for Boston, and I think you want Carter Hart for Florida, and I think he definitely plays that Florida game no matter what because of how much time they have off. After. Right, I was gonna say, it, it 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 lines up well because. You could play him after playing Friday and say, take two days, play Monday. You still have that usual one day in between, play Wednesday, two days, now play Saturday. Like, you could you, do you that. You could play all of them pretty easily. Which, by the way, I, I don't, like, another thing where it's just one game, don't freak out kind of thing is, don't look at the standings this month. No. Because, probably not even next month. Well, no, don't, no, next month you have to start because if you're really, like, it will even out by next month. Well, that's fair. But if you go in and look now, and if you just go look strictly at the division, the Flyers are sitting there with the one game played. There's only one other team in the Metropolitan Division. I almost said East there, by the way, because I'm still in last year's mode for a second. Um, there's only one other team in the Metro that only has one game played. That's New Jersey. And they want an, they want an overtime. So they're, they're a point ahead of the Flyers. Right. Every other team has at least two, possibly three. And oh, by the way, in the next little bit, now like nobody, the the irony is nobody plays today. I think the only game there's today one is, game. There is one game, and it's not anybody in that division. Correct. But Monday's going to roll around. You're going to play your second, and I see the Rangers have a game. That's it. So Monday's kind of light, but by the time you play the next game, like how many teams are going to play again as it goes through? Right. Like, teams will have I, four or five games by the time I, the Flyers I, play their right. third. All right, because I see I see New Jersey, I see Pittsburgh, I see Washington, I see Columbus, I see the Islanders on this list. Like, it's all there. And then then you play Boston, and then again with another two days off. It's not even that because it's you're going to get another two days off after Boston. You're going to play Florida. That's and you number get three four days off before then Western you get Canada. Three more. You know how many games these other teams might play before you play your fifth game of the season? There are teams that could, there's teams that could have seven or eight in the books. And we saw some of this in 1920 when the Flyers ended up having to come back from Europe and ended up being kind of basically a week behind everybody else. Don't worry about the standings for a little bit here because you're just not going to have the games played. And this early in the season, you're just not going to have the raw points. But I think that's a benefit to them because – much like two seasons ago, you were able to work out more things as you had that time. Like they didn't stop practicing because their schedule was weird and they had five days between the opener and then the real and then the home they opener. Just extended and training camp. <laughs> right. So you had you had a week between the scheme. And here's the thing. That first period, it showed, didn't it? You should yes, be the you should be the rusty team. Oh, we haven't played a game in seven days. Here's a team that played two nights ago. We should be rusty against this team. Nope. That first period was dominant. Sharp. Yep. Now, that's, again, you go back to the second. The second wasn't very good. And the, and the third was kind of, like we said, it was boring until you got to the final two and a half minutes and you realize that not only with the push, but you do make the play happen. And we might as well get to those two goals really quick. And I kind of already touched yeah. on, the, on the connect me one. But the Giroux one is really specifically the impressive one because – it's a set play. Yeah. He call he calls for it. He one hundred percent called for that. Yep. You look on the replay and he breaks from the top of the circle immediately down towards the goal line. And while he's doing it, he's pointing his stick at the boards, t- screaming for uh, Sean Couturier to send it around at him. So I uh, want to touch. Beautiful. I want, 
And I want to touch on a couple of things that come off of that goal because there's a couple of different things to look at from this. Not, not just in the way that the play actually happens. but So the set play, first of all, is not for him to shoot. He said it afterwards. He said he was trying to actually put it back to the front quickly for kind of that same east-west kind of play that gets the goalie moving all over the place. So the goalie's on looking to his left. He's going to have to shift to his right to try to get to where Giroux is to kind of see where everything is. And that quickly, you wanted to have it back in front. So he's sliding. He might open up. You might get the goal that way. And instead, he said it came off of the boards flat and stayed flat. So he goes, I'll just shoot it then. And... Yep. And banked it off of the side of Demko's head and in. Claude Giroux is so good, man. He is so good. Exactly. His so, hockey IQ is absurd. Well, his is, but Couturier's is right there with him, too. Oh, you needed, absolutely. You needed Couturier to be that good, too. Um, that, so, the fact that that was your two best players. Yes. Yeah. That was all sorts of pretty. Right. So now, So now go off of that for a second because of the fact that First of all, it's it, because it's a set play, that kind of stuff, it's not like you don't get to practice those situations all the time. Now you're at six on five, not six on four, because the power play part of this is already out of the picture. It took you seven seconds to score a goal. Konechny did his part. I want to talk about kind of collectively. I mean, I didn't, it wasn't there as much in the like on the goal in the first period, but Cam Atkinson's this type of player. Yes. And then you're down to the final two and a half minutes, and then Travis Konechny scores and Claude Giroux scores, and it's dramatic, and it's tied. First of all, crowd reaction. I was going to say, man, give me – hit me with it. How loud was that building? Well, it was very loud at the very beginning in the first place. And player introductions, you got a m- multiple players got very good, loud ovations, and I can go through – I heard Joel Farabee got, got a pretty decent one. I he was did. listening. So there was a couple of funny little tidbits because I, I tried to tweet out a couple of them. I didn't go through every single one. Like, you got to realize something. As you start when you look at this roster and you kind of start at the beginning, like there were people who when they got to like Nick Sealer are going, who? You Fair. know, like to an extent, like they called out number 24 and you're going – there's a number 24. Number 24, right. Right. But like, and and again, it, I think it's worth noting that in the early going, they're withholding the alternates and the, and the captain. Oh, right. So so they're skipping over some obvious numbers at the high point. So so I believe, so the first player that was actually introduced was Keith Yandel. For, that played. Good, you know, good introduction. Gets gets a nice little like ovation thing. Right. Like I think it was I think it was him. It was Sanheim. They jumped to Konechny and then Konechny. Then, God, who would have been after that? Like I think after that after that was Broussard. And then and again, like Broussard's was mild. It wasn't anything big. They got to actual skating player wise that skated onto the ice that was going to play in the game. Because I guess I should mention before they did that, they do the coach, they do trainers, coaches, etc. And they do players who aren't playing. And they introduced right. Kevin Hayes, and the building went nuts. I believe that 100%. And yep. good, which was awesome because he just, he had, it, it, remember when, I, I know we're going off of like a guy who's still in the organization in a way, but remember when Ian LaPerriere got that like ovation after blocking another shot with his yeah. face, you know, or whatever, and kind of had a look on his face like, yeah, I get, I feel you. I know that you respect me. I respect you right back, and it's like we're family. Kevin Hart or Kevin Hayes loves Philly, and Philly loves Kevin Hayes. Yes, and 
but he had a look on his face as that ovation went up that was like because everybody like look everybody that man shed a tear come on like everybody knows the reason why the ovation was the way that it was and it has nothing to do with the fact that it's like oh it's a shame you're not playing because you're hurt like it's not that it's we know exactly what you went through and everybody here's got your back yep and he had a look that was like yep i I, i'm with you and on, on that note, I did want to mention that the, the Devils had a great tribute to Jimmy Hayes. They both I did, did want to Devils, throw that out there. Devils and Blackhawks because they played each other yeah. in that first game. Oh, so they both, right. and, and both organizations happened to be ones that played or that Jimmy Hayes played, played for. Him. Yeah. And that was really cool. Really, um, really cool. Um, so so that's that was actually the biggest ovation up to that point was Kevin Hayes gets a big cheer from the bench. They introduce Sam Moran and Ristolainen from there as well, I believe. Ristolainen and I, to be honest, I don't rem- remember the cheer that Ristolainen got because it was still buzzing from Hayes. Okay. And then they go to the ice and the players. Good timing on them. Right. But they go to the ice and it's mostly lukewarm. And then Oscar Lindblom comes out and the Explosion. building went nuts. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to keep going in order here. So Van Riemsdyk comes out. They get they now we're 28. In, right. So now we're into we're in we've been into like, into like the 30s. We don't we're not in the 30s yet because they did they did the goalies at the end. Right. So they they waited until the end for the goalies too. So I believe that like after that, I think the next player who's going to get introduced is Nate Thompson. Then you're into like the higher numbers again. So now you're into Justin Braun, Nick Obekubel, Max Wilman comes out. Um. Getting Stuff close like to that. getting close to some big names here, right? And I am get up trying... in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see because I tweeted out enough of them that I'm going to see if I can't find exactly who. Because like Ryan Ellis didn't even get that big of a cheer, but it's because of who he followed. Right. Like that was the shame of it. Like. And also speaking of Ryan Ellis, he came out as number 94, and uh, I mentioned this in the group chat. It was weird not seeing number 93 introduced. It it, it was strange. And A I little know he bit, yes. He wouldn't have been introduced there. He would have been introduced with the captains, but you know what I mean. So, all right, there we go. Um, So Ellis had a decent one. Ellis came right after Cam Atkinson, who got a very loud cheer for his first game. And Cam Atkinson followed Joel Farabee. Yeah, and Farabee had a good one, too. Um, yep. so, th- so this is the funny part. So they do the goalies. Martin Jones comes out. It was kind of the same thing as, like, Broussard. It's not It's not bad. Yeah, we're happy you're here, but no one's really that excited about it. Woo. I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it's the you'll have to win them over kind of cheer. Right. Like, like cool, you're here, but what, you have to win them over. You got to Car- earn it. Carter Hart comes out next, and the building went crazy again. I mean, good. really loud. Good. The funny part is, is that after that, they go into the leadership group. Ivan Provorov is the first guy who gets introduced, and I had to, I put it out there because I'm like, there were a few boos as he came out on the ice, and that was because the Canucks took the ice at the same time. <laughs> so, so I hear boos, and I'm going, what? What's going on? And I look, and there's, and here come the Canucks on the ice. Yeah, went, there's Elias oh, Patterson. It's like, oh, that makes more sense. Okay. That's, that's why. And then obviously after that, Couturier and Drew come out, and it was all exciting and things like that. So already the buzz in the building was good just from that. Good buzz after the first goal or whatever. But I want to go to the second one because when Atkinson scores, this is where I really want to point out because I don't really recall, like, it, like Farabee's goal is almost a tad anticlimactic in a way because of the fact that not because it's not 
like not because it wasn't on the power play or anything like that. It's a little anticlimactic because of the fact that what you, what you really want to see eventually is you want to hear that ping, possibly, or you want it to be Claude Giroux's goal in the preseason. That you know, here's a big one timer, net pops, rocket, big right. powerful shot, and it goes in at high speed. That's what you would have loved to have seen, and was a save that deflected off a skate and, and creeped in. So it wasn't as, you know, and, and for the game situation too, it's the first period. Like it's the it's first not, goal of the season. Like it is, but it's the first period. So it's like, it's not late in the game that you're like getting hot. Not off. a whole lot of drama on it. Right now go to when Cam Atkinson scores and Cam Atkinson's like this anyway. So I'm not surprised by this, but like here come the fist pumps and Derek Broussard is celebrating as if they just won the game in overtime possibly. And it's like, I, but I, that's an element of the game that I love. Like the excitement of like, like I'll hear about stuff like, I don't know. I don't remember if it's, we've talked about this off the air or whatever, but like these there, I, I know, I think I saw something about it on Twitter at some point, probably like the, the like the Ovechkin kind of style thing where it's like, you've scored how many like my point is is scoring a goal is fun you want to celebrate celebrate like oh i know what it was now i now i remember what the hell it was somebody turned around said that there was a thing that mark stone was upset because of the way that morgan geeky celebrated a goal for seattle that tied the game in the third period sure oh what no he did a stick twirl (laughs) like are you like are you serious like, you've never done anything to celebrate a goal before that would have gotten on the nerves of the other team. Right. Like, Mark Stone, relax. Like just, not, just... Not, to mention, not to mention the fact that it's like, you've played, like, how many years did you play in Ottawa? And hey, how many you years... kids, get off my lawn. But how many years did you play in Ottawa? How many years did you play Alex Ovechkin or play, or, or, or now that you're in Vegas, how many years do you, how many times a year do you play Connor McDavid? You see the way they celebrate goals? Do they make it look like it gets old after they've scored one? No. Right. Have fun. Hockey is fun. You play right. a like, game for a living, and it made you a millionaire. But have at the fun. same time. Right. So, but, here's, but here's where I'm trying to tie it back to the Flyers for a second. I don't feel like I really see that element that often. Like, how many times is Claude – and I'm not trying to pick on Claude Drew when I do this, but, like, it's the easiest example. He's how very serious. He, but, like, how many times do you see him score a goal? And when he scores a goal, it's very business-like. In and, terms of sometimes it's passionate, but it's let's go passion, not not goofy, not fun. I'm not even talking about that though, because like you're almost talking about when he does that little fist pump at the end where he right. to the crowd. I'm talking about there are times where he takes that one timer, scores, and just does the like the the sword back in its sheath kind of then thing, right like, back to the bench, like right. like yep, scored. Let's just do fist bumps around the circle. Okay, cool. Let's go back and do the face off now. Been here, no, done that. Like, let's go. Right. Like, to see Atkinson, like Atkinson kind of leading the charge, but how many guys were like fired up, fist pumps, sticks in the air kind of stuff. And then it really happened in the last couple. And, and there was like, other than other than maybe Travis Konechny, there wasn't a ton of excitement over the third one because it was, it, we're not done here yet. We're still yet. down, right. But Konechny was very... But man, Travis Konechny needed that goal real bad. Exactly. We talked about it. We talked about it last week. We talked about the fact that he needs to have a good season. He needs to he bounce needed... back. Needed that goal and very much that was half that was a half let's go, we're still in this game and half yeah, a the, thank the monkey is off of my yep. back. I'm surprised he didn't literally do the celebration. 
where you take the monkey the, off your the, back. You know, like we've yeah. seen multiple players do it. I'm shocked we didn't see it from Travis well, Connecting here. Well, I think game situation comes into mind there too, where he just wanted That's to. That's Because I mean, that otherwise that was a very vintage Connectney type celebration where you're just like the two hands really close to your body, yelling and screaming and stuff just, like just that. Just screaming. But how about when Giroux scores and. It's that typical late game fired up feeling. Drew is celebrating more than he usually does. Konechny's all hopping up. Ivan Provorov is one of the few guys who has the traditional, to me anyway, the traditional hockey celebration with the two arms in the air, like almost that perfect pose where his he he glides as as he does. And then you've got the other one because Couturier is pointing at Drew for calling the play, like. What and a, a call. And, and as a Flyers fan, as a Flyers fan in that moment, I knew they were losing in a shootout. Because <laughs> I've just no. seen it too many times. Tie no, the game, I... pure elation, you know, 30 seconds left, whatever it is. Yeah, we're losing this one in overtime. <laughs> That's how it goes. I don't know if they would have lost it in overtime per se. Like, overtime's always weird. Shootout, I get it, but. Either way, I. I knew a loss was incoming, and it, one of but these days it, we'll get be good at shootouts. But isn't it good to see some real emotion here like that? Like Absolutely. See, this is what I wanted to see from some of the new guys, too, because I knew that Cam Atkinson was like this, and I knew that Ellis kind of has a little bit of this barium. Broussard is very much like this, and I did not know it. Um, right. Like, you've got guys who are going to be like that, and Ristolainen apparently is a little like this, too. And he okay. didn't even get to play. So. I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this team. Uh, let's let's do a quick little look ahead to next week. I know we talked about these teams a little bit. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We, we both have something going on this morning. Uh, so we talked about it. Three more home games this week. Seattle, Boston, Florida. Six points available. What are you looking at here? You think You think you're looking for four? I mean, you should be, but I'm not going to try to jump too far ahead of the game on Monday because that's where you need to start. Like, got to get two there. You really kind of do in a way, and I mean, you, what you need to do more than just – it's not just a, hey, you need to get two. Like, I don't want to just go that far. With right, it's not a must win. It's the second game of the season. Right, there's not a must win yet. And that's why – look, that's why I had said earlier, the getting one point out of this – out of this first game when you're down by two goals with under three minutes to play is huge. That's a, because yeah. you, you need every point you can get in this division. You need every point you can get throughout the course of the season. And I would say in the beginning, you've got to take that for what it's worth. Like you've got to take every point you can get. This is, I don't want to say, cause look, you can't discount Seattle cause they've already won a game. There was a distinct possibility yeah. that everybody kind of thought, well, that fourth game against Philly, they're going to come in. They'll be zero and three. Is that going to be the time? Is that and the desperation not. game? Right. And it's not like here's the thing: you have to look at this in three. You have what all you can do is look at it this way, and this is the way that I'm going into it looking at. This is a team that, even though they're brand new, even though on paper people were kind of like, "I don't get it, I don't see it," whatever. They all said the same thing about Vegas. Well, it's not that I was going to sit there and say, "Here's a team that is one one and one, so they have three points in." in the standings so far and every single game has been competitive. Yep. You've lost a, You've lost a game in regulation by a goal. You lost a game in overtime and you lost and you won a game. Won a game. Yep. Don't expect anything different in Philadelphia on Monday night. Expect I a agree. competitive game. Now here's the catch from that. If you play a first period 
anywhere close to what you played against Vancouver, you might do what Vegas did to them, which is Vegas opened it up and took a at least a two nothing lead in the really early going. I don't know if it was three by the end of the first. They did period. pick up a three goal lead at some point. Right. I just don't remember if it was in the because Seattle didn't score until the second period. Okay. So it was a while, but I remember. I think it was two nothing in the first period, and then they scored another one, and then. But it was getting out of hand quick, and then they reeled it back in. Right, and then whereas whereas the other two games they played, the Nashville game and the uh, Columbus game, they were the team. Like the Columbus game, they had the first goal, were leading the game, right, for most of it actually, and into the third period, lost lost in overtime. The Nashville game, you're in that game the whole way. It's not. I mean, when you win a game, they won. The, they ended up winning the game four to three, but that's not what like they were actually up four two. Okay. With an empty netter, so they had a lead. Clear, right. like clearly, they had a lead. You know, so don't discount this team. They're kind of playing with the misfit mindset a little bit. Absolutely, and and as we saw with Vegas a couple of years ago, that was dangerous. Right. I mean, look, there's a lot of things that I don't want to. I'm trying not to jump too far ahead in the standings picture, like with standings and with the games that come up come up as this, as this week goes on. But there are some records in the standings. Like you can't base anything off of records in the standings no. because if you want to do that, then Buffalo's leading the Atlantic. They're two and zero. Yeah, that wasn't even where I was going to go. It's just as simple as that. Buffalo is leading the Atlantic, and they're two and zero. No, but you look at like, just, like no, but you sit there and you go, a team like Pittsburgh with no Crosby, no Malkin. Has won two of their first three games. The other one was a loss in overtime. They're they've got five out of six points. That's annoying. <laughs> no, I know, but you're gonna sit there and go. There's that, and then there's the New York Islanders that are zero and two. Yeah, that's not gonna stay like that. Right. There's Buffalo being two and zero, and Montreal being zero and three. And I don't know about Montreal. Montreal didn't have a great regular season and got into the playoffs anyway. Uh, they got into the playoffs. Yeah. And then made a run, but right. they got into the playoffs, which is exactly why the point is getting to the playoffs. Yep. Um, how and, about you know? How about a team like Vegas who does have a win, but also has a loss and is dealing with injuries now? So through two games, yep. they are at two points, and you've got a couple teams in front of you. Yeah. And even and, even even a team like okay, here's another zero and two for you for you. There are people out there that they're saying, watch out for Winnipeg this year. Winnipeg's zero and two. Yeah. Like yep. you can't base it off of anything. Right and. Th- Speaking of like, and that's why when I'm looking at a team like Boston, right? They're they've only played one game this season, but they are still generally Boston, right? Not much has changed over last year. You right. lose David Krejci, you lose Tuukka Rask for now. But generally speaking, most of that Boston team is still together, and you expect them to kind of be a you know floating around the playoff spots, maybe flirt with win the division, depending on how the Atlantic shakes out. Right. Uh, and then you look at Florida. And like we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, there there are a lot of people's dark horses to win the Atlantic. This is right. certainly not an easy week. Exactly. And that's that's why, to an extent, this could tell you a lot about the team, but it also could be kind of one of those weeks. I mean, you got to just I would just approach approach the next game. Start with Monday against Seattle and go from there. You Absolutely. can't do anything more than that. If you're thinking about Boston on Monday, that's a problem. If you you're can thinking, start thinking about, about Boston, you can start thinking about Boston the second the Seattle game ends. Not until pretty, then. exactly, and and we'll see. I mean, if you can come out of out of next week in a little bit of a better spot, and again, like we just like we had said earlier, you're going to play these three games over the course of the week. 
and then you're going to get another three-day pause and yep. come back Wednesday, Thursday, and then Saturday on the road. You know, like, how much more, like, you're not going to, you're just not playing a whole lot right. in the early going. So the standings might not look the greatest. You've got it. What you need to do more than anything is, and it's not even the traditional game, but the Boston one's intriguing to me because of the fact that, like, at the end of the day, I remember watching, like, as I'm watching the Vancouver game on Friday, one of the things I kept in the back of my mind is it was getting closer to, like, as they get ready to tie it, is you go, there's no harm, no foul to taking a Western Conference team to overtime. No. Because you're not giving away anything that matters to your race. For the playoffs. At all. Nope. You don't, what you want to do is you do want to eventually beat you know, when you, whenever you play the Rangers and you play the Devils and you play some of those teams in your division, when you, you want to try to beat them in regulation, right? You want to yeah. keep them away from getting points, but there's, so I'd love to see it with Boston because I kind of still in a way associate Boston as a divisional team to an extent you'd love to see you, what you'd love to see from that game is you'd love to see it be a game that resembles a game from two years ago where you actually feel like you're in control for most of it. Right. I don't know if it's going to be that way. I mean, Marshan hasn't missed a beat since coming out of everything. Probably means the other two haven't either, you know, probably. <laughs> so if that's the case, then don't, you know, like you'll have to just see where it goes, but you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead with certain games until right. you get through this first one. And And realistically, what would be nice with that Seattle game is, Get that first win. Yep. Like, Absolutely. Get the first win so you don't feel like you're still looking for it. Because the last thing I think you want to do is fall behind in that sense, where it's now you're behind after you, you haven't beaten Seattle, you hadn't beaten Vancouver. Now you have to go and play Boston, Florida. Like, don't go, like, don't set yourself up for a spot where you're going to go on the road and potentially be 0 4. All right, Elaine. You hear that? I know you listen to the show. Your goal this week is to win a game. You can well, do it. I, it'd be nicer if they could win maybe at least two and get. I wouldn't four. hate a point in the in the you know in the third game too. Well, I'm trying not to jump to conclusions here, but well, we'll see. I mean, here's the thing: I I don't want to like. I don't know about I don't know about Edmonton when they play Edmonton on the road in a little bit, but you're going to get Vancouver again. You're going to get Calgary on the road, and again, these are teams that, at the very least, should be on your on your level of playing field here. Like in the Certainly. sense that. You're not you're not an elite team. I think everybody knows it. So when you play a team like Florida, who's got expectations like that, I'd be wary. But right. But you're still also shaking some things off. So maybe if you play, like, certainly we all looked at that first period and went, "What team is this?" And there's always the chance when you're playing the Panthers that Sergey Bobrovsky plays and just lets up six goals. If, that, if assuming that's who plays, but yes, I, you have a shot. You know. <laughs> I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Anyway, that's that's pretty much where you got to leave this one at this point. Is that that's that's the basis for everything. Like that, you just want to come out and start to see some success. Uh, getting the point in the first game was good when it looked as as bleak as it did in the second period. Yep. Now you you know you did your job in the third period. You found a way to come back after a like I said a rather boring period for most of it, but you you got there. You know. Yep. And like you mentioned, that's a that's a pretty good place to leave it. And we're gonna go ahead and leave you guys with this one. Uh, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at YWT Podcast and uh, send us a subscription over on YouTube too. Uh, it really helps us out over there. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and uh, sportstalkphilly.com. 
again, we talked about it a little bit last week, but that Flyers coverage is really kicking up. There was a there was a takeaways article, there was a previews article, there all sorts of stuff over there from you, Kevin. Oh, and the graphics were back too. And and lucky for lucky for me, I was able to be prepared with the one that I needed from a new guy in the first game. Love it. Cam Atkinson had a graphic. Perfect. And uh, make sure to follow Kevin for those the rest of those graphics. Uh, he tweets him from uh, it's from Sports Talk PHL or is that from Flyerdelphia? That's from Flyerdelphia. That's from Flyerdelphia. Okay, but make sure I, to follow I, his personal Twitter at Kevin underscore Durso also for the better yeah for the for the actual better in game analysis for the analysis yeah and for and chances are probably the first like the first place I put out the other articles okay. Like, I do it from my personal first and then go to the... Makes sense. You know. All right. All right. So until then, uh, we got three games, and we'll be back in a week to talk about them. See ya.